Welcome everyone to the SCORE Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Always appreciate you tuning in. This is the first of two episodes this week. We're ramping things up. The season's getting closer, so we'll be two a week in August, and then we'll go to three per week during the season like we did last year. And this is the start of our season preview series. We're going to dedicate an episode to each position. We always have great guests for these each year. This year, I decided to do something very specific when it came to the guests, though. So I went out and I got the analysts who finished number one in accuracy at each position. And today's guest, I mean, maybe the top dog of all top dogs here. He didn't just finish number one at quarterback. He actually prevented my attempt at a repeat to win the competition last year. He took it home. And I said when he was on the show last season, I think it was around maybe October, November, and he was in first place at that point, I think. And we joked a little bit. And I said, if I wasn't going to be able to do it, if somebody had to stop me, that I hoped that it was going to be him. And it turned out that way. So longtime friend of the show, Pat Fitzmorris of thefootballgirl.com. He also joined the awesome crew over at Football Guys this offseason. I'm sure you're already following him on Twitter, but at Fitz underscore FF. And you should be listening to his podcast too, Fitz on Fantasy. He's one of my favorite guys in the industry. Always glad when he's back on the show. So, Pat, congrats again on the big win last year. Congrats again on the new gig. How you been, man? Oh, I've been good, Justin. And, you know, I guess uh, when you threw that bouquet over your shoulder after the 2019 season, you know, I had always been the bridesmaid (laughs) or one of the bridesmaids, but it was my turn to catch it, I guess. And, uh, you know, I feel like I'm talking to the real big dog in rankings as far as I'm concerned. So, and... Mutual respect, my man. Uh, you're one of my favorite guys in the biz. Always really like talking to you. You're just a true gentleman and a nice guy. So I uh, was really looking forward to coming on the show today. Well, maybe we can be like those high jumpers at the Olympics and we'll just shake hands and agree to share the gold or something like that. Yes, right? real, yes, real sportsmanship great there. moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when, um, they, when they asked those guys whether they were okay with that, I'm like, they're not going to possibly say no to this, are they? And, you know, and then the one guy like jumps into the other guy's arms. So that was a, a pretty cool moment. Yeah, it was fantastic. And I mean, we haven't talked in a bit when I asked you to come on the show. We kind of talked a little bit. I mean, we're in so many of these leagues together, though, that we're not getting to hang out in person, but we're constantly talking digitally, right? So the the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Invitational, we're in that one together. Um, we're in this new Dino Game Theory Dynasty League that just started up. We're in the middle of the draft and just a bunch of heavy hitters in that one with us. JJ Zacharyson and Graham Barfield and Pat Corain and just a ton of other guys. 14-team super flex. It's going to be very interesting, but you know, it's, it's nice that as things are ramping back up here, we're talking a lot more. Hopefully you got some time off. You had some vacation in the off season. Cause now training camps are here. It's all downhill. We're going back underwater here, Pat. Yeah, we really are. And I'm sneaking in one last, uh, one last little golf trip this weekend before we really roll up the sleeves and get down to business. But I, I kind of scrub the rankings. So they're, uh, totally updated right now before I leave. But uh, yeah, and about that league we're talking about, Justin, so we're drafting adjacent to each other. And, uh, you know, you were nice enough to put me on tilt right before you said, okay, let's start the show. Oh, by the way, I just picked you on the clock. So now I've got that hanging over my head while we talk. Yeah, I didn't realize when I was setting up for the show and everything, I didn't realize that I was on the clock. So that's the the joy of a slow draft. It can kind of just pop up on you at any moment there. So yeah, I made my pick, DK Metcalf. And yeah, you were one of only two managers in the first round 
to not go with a quarterback, but I mean, Christian McCaffrey in the first round and his, you know, 30 point upside, that's, that's not too bad of a fallback there if you're not grabbing a QB. Yeah, getting him at 108 in a dynasty startup was a little strange, but, you know, now it's definitely putting the pressure on me to play catch up at quarterback. And, you know, hopefully I'm not going to reach too badly here. Uh, you know, Tua and Hurts still on the board as I pick here in the, the mid second round at around, what, 21st overall. So, uh, you know, we'll see if I go that way or, or maybe, you know, push off the quarterback position a little bit and uh, you know, wind up with some sort of Sam Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick combo. All right, well, we'll try to get this one done fast so you can make that pick here. Uh, before we talk about the specifics of the quarterback position, you know, how we're drafting this year, who we like, who we don't like, all that stuff, there's one piece of quarterback news that I want to get your thoughts on, and we got lucky. Matthew Stafford banged his thumb on a helmet. That turned out to be nothing major. He was back at practice, and chucking the ball around seems just fine. The news isn't as hopeful for Carson Wentz, though, at least it seems. I mean, he had to undergo foot surgery It's going to sideline him for 5 to 12 weeks, they're saying. And if you think that's like a massive window, it's because it definitely is. It makes it very hard to project his outlook for the year when we have such a huge window that it could fall in. But we really don't know yet. And, you know, he's not the only injury they're dealing with either. They've had a few offensive linemen out, including Quentin Nelson, who also underwent a foot surgery. And he's aiming to be back for week one or at least soon after. But he's going to be out for a little bit here. Um, you know, it's just kind of been a, a nightmare start to the season for the Colts. How much do you think this is going to impact these fantasy assets in Indy? Because there's a lot of guys there that fantasy managers are hoping to have big seasons, whether it's Jonathan Taylor as a first round pick, whether it's, you know, Michael Pittman potentially breaking out, maybe to a lesser extent, Paris Campbell. How are you approaching these guys now that Wentz is going to be sidelined for the start of the year and also isn't getting those valuable reps with these guys during training camp and the preseason now. Yeah, the reps with the new team is really a big thing. I, I think we did get some sort of uh, positive injury news. The, the ace we have up our sleeves at, at Football Guys is Dr. Gene Brammel, who uh, there are a lot of really good injury analysts in the business now, but uh, I still think Dr. Gene is tops. And Gene is the best. He said they found no... Yeah, he's, he's terrific. Uh, they said... Apparently, they found no new damage uh, for Wentz, so that maybe maybe takes out the upper end of that range. So, uh, you know, maybe it's more like a five to eight or nine week thing. Uh, you know, maybe he misses like zero to four weeks. Um, but as you mentioned, I mean, the Quentin Nelson injury is a big concern, too. Obviously, one of the top linemen in the league. Um Scott Pianowski and I were just talking about like the, the fallout from the Wentz injury and like starting with the pass catchers, I think in your average sized 12 team, 18 round draft, probably none of these Colts pass catchers are draftable. Like I wasn't real interested in, in any Colts tight end anyway, but um, you know, Pittman was kind of intriguing, but probably not someone you're going to feel comfortable sticking in your lineup over the first month or two of the season now. And if he's going to be one of the easiest cuts on your roster to get someone off waivers, why draft him in the first place? Um, Hilton, I just clearly on the downslope of his career and uh, kind of a frail guy to boot. So it just doesn't seem like the risk is worthwhile uh, with some of the uncertainty at quarterback. And then you know, I don't know about you, Justin, but like I've always had such a hard time getting a read on Paris Campbell. He's just kind of the mystery box to this point, right? Um, yeah, totally. You know, do yeah, do you like 
sacrifice a, a 14th or 15th round pick for a guy who's whose health, whose talent, whose role are all just big question marks right now. I, I just don't know what we have here. And so, you know, I'm not real eager to invest. But, you know, obviously the Taylor thing is that's the big impact we're looking at. And uh, I've now heard like three or four analysts, in, including Scott Pianowski, say they wouldn't take him until the third round. And I think, Justin, wherever his ADP lands in the next few days, like, I want to be ahead of that ADP still. And if that gives me a discount, I'm content with that. And I know, like, a lot of people are seeing red or, or yellow flags here. And, uh, I mean, maybe part of it is my bias. I'm a, a University of Wisconsin grad, so maybe if people want to disregard <laughs> anything that comes out of my mouth after this, maybe that's the right play for them. But, um, you know, he faced eight-man boxes for the entirety of his career at Wisconsin, sometimes nine man. I mean, they had bad QB play for three years. Um, you know, even though Wisconsin is known for having some really, really good offensive linemen, like it, it wasn't a banner era for offensive linemen during his three-year run, uh, probably all downhill after his freshman year there. I mean, this guy has just like, and you can look at the college numbers. He was just an absolute monster. Um, you know, slow start last year, but we really saw him pick up steam as the season went on. And, you know, if people were patient with him and, and still in contention, like he carried some teams to championships late last year. Uh, and with this injury, like, aren't they going to lean on him harder early in think? the season? Like the solution to the Wentz injury isn't to have Jacob Eason throw more passes. Um, well, and it's not like you know, if people... you have a bad quarterback, your rushing attack can't be solid still, right? I mean, we saw Jacksonville last right. year and James Robinson was a fantastic fantasy option and they didn't have great quarterback play. So, you know, that doesn't completely just take him out of the mix. And I'm with you that I would try to stay ahead of ADP on Taylor. I would still be interested in him. I think those injuries in the offensive line are, were at least a little hopeful that those are going to get settled. With the, the receiving core though, the, the concern there, I would still take some late shots on those guys, but the concern is that you might not even know early in the season what you have, right? Like when I'm taking those late picks, I want to take guys that I'm going to know in the first month of the season, maybe even the first couple weeks of the season, what I have and whether I need to drop them and be real aggressive on the waiver wire early in the season when there's all kinds of players that you want to pick up or whether they're a guy that I want to have on my team. I don't want to have a guy where I have to say, well, four weeks from now, maybe Carson Wentz will get back and all of a sudden Michael Pittman will get going at that point, right? Like that would be concerning to me that you don't really know what you have in that asset. And that would be, at least for me, another reason to bump those guys down. Yeah, very well said. I mean, we're not going to know the true value of those guys until we're a couple weeks into the Carson Wentz era. And we might not be a couple weeks into the Carson Wentz era until like Halloween. Yeah. So it's it's a really, really tough situation, especially for a player that... You know, for all those struggles that Wentz had last year, going to the Colts, getting connected again with Frank Reich, it, it really felt like he was. This was going to be his best chance that that he and he still will have a shot once he's back and healthy. But it's just an unfortunate start to things here that he's not going to have, like we said off the top, those valuable reps in training camp in the preseason to really hit the ground running 
in week one with this offense. We might not see the best of this offense until later in the season. And depending how things go and some of those recent reports, maybe we'll see Philip Rivers come back now that he's saying that maybe in December, January, he would want to sign on with a team and make a run at a, a Super Bowl and if he can find the right situation. But do not go pick up Philip Rivers in fantasy. We're not suggesting that by any means. I was just going to say all this time home alone with his nine kids or whatever is making him realize that he misses going <laughs> to the office every day. So... For sure, for sure. Well, I like that he's saying, you know, not till December. He's willing to spend a little more time with them. And then, you know, when the holidays are coming back around, that's when he's going to go, okay, now I got to go back and, and rejoin a team here and take my shot at a Super Bowl. Uh, all right, let's move into the quarterback discussion. And I want to just start with general strategy. So without naming specific players, if you can, it might be tough, but if you can, what's your game plan when it comes to drafting a fantasy quarterback? And we'll specifically focus on redraft leagues here. I think there are three keys for me. Draft for value, leverage the depth of the position, and understand the value of a quarterback who adds uh, rushing value with his legs. So, And, and leveraging depth doesn't necessarily mean waiting on quarterback, uh, the late-round QB strategy. I, I, if anything, I think that's less viable these days um, because one element of the quarterback depth this year is that we have at least – five real aces in the deck. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen with his major breakthrough last year, Kyler Murray, who was just, uh, you know, a monster last year with the rushing value he added, Lamar Jackson, a healthy Dak Prescott. So that's five plus, you know, Russell Wilson is right there. Uh, You know, Aaron Rodgers, probably due for a little bit of touchdown regression, but still a pretty top guy. Um, So, like, I'm happy to take Lamar Jackson if he falls to me because, you know, he's the fifth of those five guys. And and I feel like I'm getting some value if he slides to me in, say, the mid to late fifth round of a 12-team draft. Um, But, you know, I'm also happy to wait until the double-digit rounds if if there's a guy I like there. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give anything away right now. There are some guys I kind of like in those rounds, like, if, if that's where the value is. So... Uh, super flex, of course, this all changes, but in one quarterback leagues, I think, uh, you know, it, it pays to maximize the value at quarterback. Cause there's a lot of value and a lot of depth, um, you know, and you're going to have to kind of react like there's no built in formula. You have to see how the draft goes, but, um, you know, there are definitely some opportunities to, uh, get a nice return on a, a sensible investment. Yeah, you summarized it really well there. For me, normally I've waited until like that round nine to round 11 range. And I got very fortunate in some recent years, like Patrick Mahomes, the year of his breakout, got him in that range. Lamar Jackson a year later. Um, You're not always going to get those guys, but um, you can find some value in that range or sometimes even later. This year, I'm with you that I would aim to try to see if one of those guys in the top five, maybe it's Dak with the shoulder thing. Maybe he falls, people are scared, and you get him a, a round or two later. Um, I would be willing to to grab the value there. I'm not paying up for Mahomes or Allen or Murray. Those guys always tend to go earlier than I want. Um, and like I said, we'll keep an eye on that Dak shoulder injury, but it seems like he should be okay. Um, if I don't end up doing that, then... Looking at that 9 to 11 range, and I won't mention any names either. I'm sure we'll talk about a bunch of them. But if that doesn't work out, then my sort of complete, you know, plan C, if you want to call it, or my total fallback would be to try to pair one of those dual threat upside rookies 
with maybe a stable veteran guy, a guy who, and I will admit there, there's a guy like, you know, there's Kirk Cousins, guys like that, that they might have a little easier early season schedules. They're not going to win you weeks necessarily, but a guy that you could pair them with one of those really high upside rookies that might not start week one, um, but that later in the season could really be a difference maker for you. So um, that kind of is exactly how, and it sounds like we're kind of lockstep there. That's exactly how I, I approach it. Um, but regardless of your approach, I mean, the best way, and you touched on it, is just trying to find value where you can. And when people ask me like, you know, who should I target? What What's the exact plan? I mean, that's sort of a general outline I'm not telling you exactly. You have to do this in this round. You have to do that because every single draft is going to be different and you have to be willing to adapt and try to find that value. And I mean, one of the best ways to do that is to try to nail the the breakout guy of that year. And if you can end up getting that Mahomes or Lamar, then guess what? You probably won your league. I don't know if there's a guy like that this year, but who is sort of your breakout candidate? You know, who do you see taking the leap in 2021? You could mention one guy, you can mention a couple guys, or whatever you want here. I'll mention one guy specifically. Um, I'm kind of looking for big things out of Tuatunga Vailoa this year. Um, and, and it's probably best to not count on him as your QB1. Uh, things are kind of rough out of the gate for him with the schedule he faces, I think, the Patriots. Bills, Colts, Buccaneers in the first five weeks of the season. So um, maybe a guy you wait on a little bit and uh, once he gets going. But it didn't always look pretty in his eight or nine starts last year. But his first NFL exposure, he hit a really thin group of pass catchers. Uh, I mean, there were some games where late in the year, I think both Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki were hurt. So he was throwing to like Lynn Bowden Jr. and Isaiah Ford and Durham Smythe. Like it was a real motley crew of pass catchers. Um, a lot of times he seemed to be running for his life with some pretty poor protection up front. This is a guy whose accuracy in college was just kind of uncanny. I mean, he had nearly a 70% completion rate at Alabama and just bucket accuracy downfield. And we didn't see that from him last year. I think he ranked like 31st in terms of completion percentage on throws of like 20 or more yards downfield. But he did have like eight drops on those longer throws. Um, You know, in Alabama, he averaged, I think, like 11.3 and 11.4 yards per attempt his last two years. He's got sneaky running ability. Um, I think with just a full non-COVID training camp, uh, that little taste of NFL experience, not such a little taste. I mean, it was half a season. Um, like I, I think he's going to be more impactful this year. And, and the additions of Will Fuller, Jalen Waddell, he's still got Parker. He's still got Gesicki. They added another tight end in Hunter Long. Like I think they have really put him in a position to succeed. And I'm excited to see what he can do. And I think that that people kind of maybe mischaracterized him. Like he is a guy that is sort of timing based, is precision based. And when you have him coming back from an injury in college that almost ended his career, right? You have him just one year removed from that. You know, now he's a little further away from that injury. And one of the big things, you know, you want to see if the the drumbeat really continued to be negative because people were worried after last season and some of those starts, like you said, if it continued in training camp and in OTAs to be negative, then I would be worried. But that's not what we're hearing. We're hearing that he looks really good and that, you know, as much as I don't want to admit it as a Bills fan, 
the Dolphins are doing all the right things. They have become a very smart organization and they brought in weapons like Waddle that you mentioned, like Will Fuller, these guys that kind of fit to his ability where he can hit these guys on some shorter slants and stuff and let them do the work. And although, I mean, some of the clips from training camp, we're seeing them go deep to like Albert Wilson and connecting. So I don't know, maybe Tua can do it all, but you know, even going back to like, I always saw him as more of like a Drew Brees type player and I breeze early in his career wasn't as good. It took him a little while to kind of find his game and to get comfortable in the pros. And I think we're going to see that from Tua. So yeah, I, I really like that call. Um, you know, I think a lot of people will look at it and, and this one's just, you know, incredibly obvious. I mean, a guy like Jalen Hurts, um, you know, as long as they're not going to make a trade for a Deshaun Watson or something, as long as he's going to get a chance to start. Um, I just think that fantasy managers have gotten a little smarter over the years and we're seeing that now his ADP kind of reflects that. He's not one of those guys that you can get in the 9th, 10th, 11th, like some of those other names I mentioned before their breakout years. He goes a little bit earlier than that now. And I think that's just, I mean, he has a top five ceiling, like with that rushing ability, he's one of those Konami code type guys. Shout out to another friend of the show, right? Rich Rebar. Um, If the Eagles can get better injury luck this year with those new weapons they have, we saw it in a very small sample size last season, but he averaged 21.99 fantasy points per game from week 13 to week 16 at like the most important time of the fantasy schedule. Um, Had 238 rushing yards in his three starts, had two 300-yard passing games. That's something that Lamar Jackson, he's only thrown for 300 yards once in his NFL career. So there's definitely some risk with Hurts that it could go south, but the upside is definitely there. Um, So he is one that, you know, I think he's just more of an obvious one. And because the ADP is a little higher, I probably don't get as much of him. But I think he's worth mentioning as a breakout guy just in case he ends up being one of those guys like, you know, Kyler Murray or whatever that ends up in the top five and kind of becomes a, a regular up there. Yeah. Uh, does it bother you at all, Justin, that they had that? It doesn't seem like anyone in the Eagles organization is trying to tamp down this Deshaun Watson talk. And uh, it just like some of the things Sirianni has said about the offense just make it seem like they're not real excited about tailoring it to her oh, strength. It's definitely like, concerning. I mean, I bumped him down. I sort of had him in that tier just ahead of the guys like Brady and, and Stafford and, and Tannehill. And now I bumped him behind those guys. The combination of that stuff and the the Watson kind of rumors circulating, um, that was enough just to add to some of the, you know, al- already had some risks on his profile. Um, when you put all that together, it, it made me drop him down just a little bit in my rankings. Same. Yeah. Like not a guy I mind drafting to be my top quarterback, but I might be motivated to take a backup a little earlier than I would otherwise. All right. Well, we'd like to keep it positive on the show, but avoiding like the landmines is maybe just as important as finding some of those breakout guys. So who are you most worried about this season? Who could be that that bust that could sewer your fantasy team if you take them? Yeah. So I guess that implies a, a greater investment because no one really cares if you get a guy in the 12th round and he busts right yeah Um, yeah fair enough so i'll give you two guys justin um and look this you know would make me sad if if this guy was a disappointment because i uh you guys let me steal him at the top of the second round in the dynasty uh the fantasy pros invitational dynasty league last Uh year i'm a little worried about justin herbert 
you know, new offensive coordinator, which could be good or bad. I mean, Anthony Lynn, you mentioned Rich Rebar when when he was on my podcast uh, a few weeks ago. He pointed out that like the Chargers, I think they ran more on first down than just about any team last year it was like 57 percent of the time, which, you know, first down's a great time to throw because the defense doesn't know what you're going to do. They're they're sort of on their heels, not necessarily geared towards stopping the pass. And then because they did run all this time, they found themselves in second and third and long, uh, a much higher percentage of the time than other offenses did. So, you know, Herbert had the deck stacked against him there when he's going against these uh, defenses now in, you know, defend the pass mode in these uh, awkward yardage situations, uh, tough down and distance. So he was in a bad spot and he gets a new coordinator now who's maybe going to call plays a little more sensibly. But on the other hand, it's a, a young quarterback who's now in his second system and, and he's got to pick up this new system. And, uh, you know, it's a, a kind of a tough ask. And as good as he was, as good as the surface numbers he was, like, you know, he was only 12th in, in passer rating. He was 19th in yards per pass attempt, which, you know, while not like the perfect stat, is, is kind of a good back-of-the-envelope indicator of a quarterback's effectiveness. So, you know, he's mobile, but he's not really a true running QB, and he's he's probably not a great bet to equal the five rushing touchdowns from last year. So... I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, the elasticity principle kicks in a little bit here. And there's a little bit of pullback in his sophomore year. So I just, I'm seeing him go ahead of, like, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers in drafts. Uh, and I just, I think that's a mistake. I, I just think it's too early to put that sort of investment into him. And then the other one, and this might be, you know, even more uh, repulsive to some of your listeners, Justin, is... I mean, Tom Brady turns 44 today. Today, it's his birthday. Happy birthday, Tom. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, like some people seem content to just totally ignore the actuarial tables here. And, you know, they think like Brady is some character from an Anne Rice novel who's just going to be immortal forever and <laughs> is never going to fall fall to the, uh, you know, the principles of age that affect all of us. Um, but I mean, we have seen other truly great quarterbacks who were playing well into their late thirties or early forties, and then just slammed into the age wall. Uh, Brett Favre was 41 when the wheels completely came off in his second year in Minnesota, like great. His first year in Minnesota, a train wreck, his second year, Peyton Manning was 39 when he fell apart and the Broncos basically managed to drag him kicking and screaming uh, to a Super Bowl victory in spite of him, not because of him, in spite of him. And like Drew Brees last year, I remember before the Scott Fishbowl drafts, like there was a group chat for people picking 109. And there were a few guys trying to contend that Brees was a good pick at 109 in a super flex league. And he sort of fit the format well. And I'm you know, I had a, a spirited debate with those guys. Like, you're really going to take a quarterback in his 40s with the 109 pick. Like, that just seems like a really bad bet to me. And, you know, Breeze wasn't a total disaster, but it was pretty clear by the playoffs that, you know, he was pretty much on, on the big E with his gas gauge. So Yeah, the end comes quick. Yeah, and so, I mean, Brady is great, undeniably great, maybe the best quarterback of all time, but no one. No one has ever run as pure 
as Tom Brady. I mean, like, maybe my bitterness as a Packers fan here, but, you know, he threw three interceptions in the NFC Championship game. It easily could have been five. I mean, Justin, there was one a defender dropped. I could have caught it. You could have caught it. My kids could have caught it. Our wives could have caught it. My elderly next-door neighbor could have caught it. <laughs> like, And maybe if he throws five interceptions and the headline is Brady throws five INTs, Buccaneers lose. Like, And, and that's kind of, you know, the epitaph of the Buccaneers season. We're viewing Brady just a, a hair differently. But, like, people are drafting him – yeah, it's funny how the, the narrative can change on some small things like that. What I love about this, and I don't know how you felt about him when he was with the Patriots, but this for a long time was a podcast that welcomed Tom Brady slander. When he was on the Patriots as a Bills <laughs> fan, I was happy to do that. I wouldn't draft him anywhere. And then he went to the Bucks, and you you might know this already. I mean, I traded for him in our Dynasty League last year. Now we're all on board the Brady train with all those weapons and that offense. But I know what you're saying. It's very concerning. When I traded for him last year, truth be told, I thought I was just trading for a rental. I think all I paid was like... I gave up like a second round rookie pick and I got back a third round rookie pick and, and Brady, like I, I gave up barely anything because I thought he would retire after the, I didn't think we were going to continue this for another year or two. So it would not shock me if he came out and after the surgery in the off season, if he came out and, you know, things just weren't as, as nice as they were last season for him, that kind of everything came together well. Um, that would not surprise me whatsoever. And I understand the, the Herbert thing. I, I don't feel quite the same. I mean, I haven't been sort of that same tier with those other guys that you mentioned, uh, Wilson and and Rodgers. Um, I wonder, too, because I feel like I saw this with Josh Allen, that there were so many people, and I don't know. I assume that you actually like Herbert because you took him in that, that dynasty league, but there were a lot of people that were uh, negative about Josh Allen coming out, and then he looked okay in that first season, at least in, in you know some flashes. And then I feel like people were still trying to pile on, like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And then he just continues to get better. I feel like we saw something similar happen with Herbert where people were kind of down on him last year. He comes out and stuns us all. I did not expect that whatsoever. And now I wonder if some of the people that are are against him are sort of still trying to put him down based on some of those, you know, previously held beliefs before he made it to the NFL. I don't, I don't think that's you, like I said, because you, you actually drafted him in that league. But um, and I'll mention while I'm on the topic of Josh Allen, he's a guy that I don't want to mention him here, but... I kind of feel like he could be here. Not that I want to bet against the Bills offense, but you touched on something with Herbert, just the the variable of those rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks. It can be a little fluky. Those numbers normally can go up and down year to year. We saw a guy like Dak Prescott have, I think it was exactly six touchdowns on the ground for three straight years at the start of his career. We've seen Josh Allen come out and it's eight, it's nine it's going to be tough for him to continue to do that. And if the Bills, if one of the running backs step up and they start to feel a little more confident, maybe they start calling Zach Moss's number at the goal line a little more, try to preserve Josh Allen, that would be one area where I would be concerned that they might at some point try to dial back some of those Russian attempts for him. And if that happens, it's not that he's going to all of a sudden become a, a QB2 in fantasy, but that might take away that you know, QB one overall upside, or maybe that top three upside, maybe he falls more back into the middle of the pack. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. And I don't think it's going to happen necessarily this year. I'm really glad Brian Dable came back. I think that offense is going to stay on, on track, but maybe next year, if Brian Dable gets a head coaching job, 
maybe at that point we need to start worrying about Josh Allen's, at least his ceiling, a little bit more. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's a really fair point, and I don't think we're going to see Josh Allen crumble, but I think it's fair to ask, like, did we just see what was maybe the best season of Josh Allen's career? Like, it's entirely possible we look back at 2020 as the best year of his career. Yeah, it's it's tough to repeat as the, the number one guy. All right, we'll keep moving here. Um, let's talk about sleepers, and it is always a difficult one to define, right? Everybody kind of looks at them a little differently, but... Is there a quarterback who you think is flying under the radar, maybe one that's being undervalued in drafts, someone that would fall into the description of a sleeper for you? Yeah, I wasn't sure uh, where to put the sleeper or where to put the breakout guy. So I I think I shuffled the position on these guys. But for me, it's Trevor Lawrence. Like I've got him QB 12. I actually have him ahead of Joe Burrow and ahead of Tom Brady. Um, I just... I agree with the assessment that he is the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. Uh, he runs and runs aggressively, and I, I don't think, based on what we've seen from Urban Meyer at uh, you know at Ohio State, going all the way back to Utah, that he is going to discourage his quarterback from aggressively running. Um, and like to me, he answered all the questions about his toughness, his accuracy at every level of the field. Um, you know, I just always loved what I saw when I watched Trevor Lawrence play for Clemson. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about him and a pretty good group of pass catchers now with DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones Jr. So um, it would not surprise me if he snuck into the quarterback one range as a rookie. And fair enough. I mean, I totally agree with you. Maybe this is the point in the conversation where we should just touch on a bunch of these rookies because I don't know if you want to call them a a sleeper, a deep sleeper, but, and he's not even a guy that, to be honest, that I love that much as a prospect coming out, but I just think the fantasy community as a whole, after, you know, kind of getting it wrong on Josh Allen as a rookie, kind of getting it wrong on Herbert, like we talked about, I think Zach Wilson to me kind of seems like that guy this year that everyone's so excited about the other guys. And for very, very good reason, Lawrence looks great. I mean, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, I'm all in on those guys. But Wilson right now, I believe last I checked, he's going off the board like QB 23, QB 24. I just think that people are looking at that Jets team and they see what the Jets have been for so long. And it is not the same situation. You have this new coaching staff coming over from the 49ers. I think this team could be so much better. The upgrades on the offensive line, that left side, I mean, Becton and Vera Tucker, that could be a really, really special offensive line eventually here they sign Corey Davis they sign Keelan Cole they draft a guy I think is going to be a future star here in Elijah Moore I think all the the beat writers are saying that too whether that's just the the New York kind of hype that we get every year or not I think it looks like he's going to be a special player uh, solid pass catching back and Michael Carter who maybe could emerge as a starter there and turn into a, a full-time guy there's a lot of weapons around Wilson, and yeah, it's not ideal that he didn't sign his contract right away, and he missed a couple days at camp, and that just kind of hurts the the outlook of the public on him as well, but uh, he is a guy that I just think we shouldn't sleep on after recognizing that we do get some of these wrong, that the guy that we think might be the most obvious case to bust, maybe he doesn't, especially when you have a team here that I think is going to turn things around and start moving in the right direction with all the moves that they've done this offseason. And then we could stick on the the rookies. I mean, Trey Lance and Fields, whenever those guys get under center, they have 
top 10, top five upside with the rushing ability. I mean, you already hear the, the players on both teams are gushing about these guys, whether it's Darnell Mooney talking about how beautiful Fields' deep ball is, and that's especially important for Darnell Mooney, who had a lot of off-target passes thrown his way last year, um, or this 49ers offense where we got to figure out how long it's going to be Garoppolo under center, but when they make that switch, and normally when you pick a quarterback as early as the 49ers did, that guy does not sit on the bench for very long. Uh, once Lance gets under center, everything we're seeing in camp, Everybody is just kind of looking at him like this guy is going to be a star and it's going to be very hard for Jimmy G to hold him off. So I think all of those rookies are going to have a, a good shot to be fantasy stars, you know, as really very, very soon. And I think as of next year, those guys are all going to be in the mix up near the top, you know, 12, top 15 fantasy quarterbacks. And if you can get on them early this year, I would be looking to do it. And like I said, off the top, you might need to pair one of them with a veteran or somebody that you have a little more faith in early in the season, but that could really pay off for you in 2021. Yeah. The guy from that group who really makes my mouth water is Trey Lance, especially with the talent around him. Uh, you know, that pass catching trio with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, a good offensive line, the Shanahan system. And they just have an absolute marshmallow soft schedule this year, Justin. Like, they can't get that guy soon uh, in there soon enough for me. Um, and, like, I don't even have as many Trey Lance shares as I would like in drafts. But I just can't wait to see that guy play because his tools are just crazy. Obviously, you know, hasn't played many college games, period, and hasn't played against great competition. But, um, man, the tools are just so impressive and the the – situation is just so right I cannot wait to see what this kid can do yeah and whenever you think that he's going to get under center whether it is week one whether it's at some point in the middle of the season I think in the second half of the year he will be starting for that team and their schedule you touched on it it's good all the way but in the fantasy playoffs it is just golden I mean week 14 to week 17 they have the Bengals the Falcons the Titans and the Texans it does not get much better than that so if Trey Lance is under center at that point you are going to be very, very happy and probably going to go for a, a long run in your fantasy playoffs. Uh, all right. Well, we've gone a little long here, Pat. We'll get you out of here. But before we do, I want to do a little rapid fire. So I want just quick answers only. If you need to give a little context, you can. I'm not going to stop you. But let's just do some quick questions, try to answer some things as fast as possible for fantasy managers out there. Ready? Yep. Let's do it. All right. Uh, what round would you take the first quarterback off the board in single QB redraft leagues? Uh, Patrick Mahomes with the last pick of the third round. Okay. Who wins the Saints QB job? I'm going to say Taysom Hill plays more. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a clear winner, but I think he's going to play more snaps than Jameis Winston this year. I like that take that it could be an up and down thing and there could be guys kind of coming in and out depending on the week. And yeah, that definitely could happen. Uh, which rookie QB finishes with the most fantasy points? I think we probably already got your answer based on your, your previous comment, but who you got? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Does Deshaun Watson play at all this season? Yeah, I think he's starting somewhere by Thanksgiving. Uh, I, I don't think there's going to be discipline preventing it from happening. It's probably just a matter of him getting out of Houston. Okay, who wins the Broncos quarterback job? Teddy Bridgewater. All right, and then the big one, factoring in ADP, who is the one quarterback who will lead fantasy managers to a title this season? 
Justin, in, in much the same way that NFL teams can leverage a cheap young quarterback playing on a rookie contract and then spend freely at other positions, I think fantasy managers can address the QB position on the cheap, build strength elsewhere, and get an immediate impact quarterback by taking Trevor Lawrence in the early double-digit rounds. I think that is very smart. I know I talked about it before for me in that sort of round 9 to round 11 range. The guys I'm looking at there, Matthew Stafford, and I've talked about him a ton on the show, so I don't need to get into it anymore, but I think that Rams offense is going to be fantastic this year with him. I think Ryan Tannehill, now that Julio's there, I think those guys are just great targets in that range, and I think those, those are the guys that I wrote up this year as the guys who can lead you to a title, but I'm going to call it there. That is all for today's show. Don't forget to give Pat a follow on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Check out the show Fitz on Fantasy. Pat, you always know I appreciate you coming on, man. I always enjoy our chats. And, you know, I guess if there was like a Fantasy Pros Champions Dinner or something, we would be there. We'd be at the head (laughs) table, right? They should do like the Masters. We should have one of those dinners. Oh, yeah. With me setting up the menu, we would eat well this year, Justin. And, uh, yeah, it's a great time talking to you. It always is. And I can't wait to have you on my show in a few weeks. Sounds good, man. Good luck this year. You too, uh, As for us over at The Score, the draft kit is updated, getting bigger every single day, so make sure you're bookmarking that page. And I'll be back on Friday with the running back preview. I'm not going to spoil who the guest is. You can go check out who finished first on Fantasy Pros for running backs last year if you really need to know now. Uh, some real awesome analysts on deck, though, for the next few weeks, so can't wait for that. Until then, though, big thanks again to Pat. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. See you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time, leave on time.